Hey everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for yet another exciting segment of On the Lighter Side of Baseball. And I'll tell you what, when you hear that song, half of the teams in Chicago are happy it's a title in town, and the other half is uh, like, what in the world happened? I mean, White Sox are bad, but how could they be that bad, really? I mean, they had a really, really good team. They got rid of uh, their old man manager. They brought in a new guy, and he flopped. So why? Well, I'm here to tell you the reason is they had no chemistry. They had no chemistry last year, and it carried over this year, and they needed to get rid of everybody. And so the trade deadline afforded the White Sox the opportunity to do just that. They unloaded a lot, but really no big new names. The only surprise was they got rid of Jake Berger, and uh, I don't think that was such a great surprise. That shouldn't have been a big surprise. Uh, Berger's okay, but um, I don't think he's kind of guy you build a team around, like Dansby Swanson. And what makes matters worse for the White Sox is that the uh, Cubs are the hottest team in baseball since the All-Star break. Yeah, can you believe that? Now, I have been getting some uh, emails from some of the fans of this show talking about my evaluation of the Cubs. And at the present time, doesn't seem to really hold water, as my cousin Vinny would say. Does that hold water? And uh, his girlfriend said, no. And um, now my listeners are saying, wait a minute. You said this was the worst team in baseball and that they were going to um, have no chance to get in the playoffs. Okay. Now, at like... 25 games after the All-Star break or 15 games after the All-Star break. Some people might say I was wrong. I don't think so. They don't have pitching. Now, some interesting things are developing. And we'll get to the trade deadline and my thoughts in my, my opening monologue. In fact, I don't have a guest today, so... My opening monologue will be my middle monologue and will be my ending monologue. It's just my monologue because last time I checked, I'm the only one talking. We aren't having any callers today. We've turned off the phones. We've turned off the emails. And we are just talking about baseball because at 7.05 tonight, the Cubs have game four of a four-game series with the league-leading Cincinnati Red Legs. How about that? Hopefully by the end of the night, the Cubs will be a half a game or a game closer to first place. Amazing, isn't it? But before we get into that, let's talk about where the Cubs were three weeks ago. Before the All-Star break, Ricketts was trying to save face. Nobody, especially me, have forgiven Ricketts for getting rid of fan favorites People that you like, people that you can relate to, Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant, uh, Rizzo, Baez, and 
the on and on and on and on and on. Contreras, all the people we've named. But they went out, and at the beginning of the year, they got Cody Bellinger. And a hope and a prayer that he'd do something, not to help the Cubs win the pennant, but to give them some trade bait to get some prospects. Now, here's the problem with that. And one of the problems with living and dying by the trade deadline, if you can develop prospects and get good prospects, like the Houston Astros can, and like the Toronto Blue Jays can, and like a few other teams can, and that's okay, great. But if you're the Chicago Cubs, again, the to this day, the only guy that's made it from all these trades is uh, Wisenham or Wisenham or Wooseyham. Whatever his name is, he got traded for Ephus or Ufus or whatever that sidearm guy was. We dumped on the Yankees, and the Yankees said, who do you want? And we took this uh, Wisenham guy, and, you know, he's he's turned out okay in a mediocre way. Ha, you, you folks out there were thinking that, hey, the grumpy old Cub fan's going to be on cloud nine the way the Cubs are playing, and this is going to be a turnaround for old uh, Uretsky on the lighter side of baseball. He's going to finally get a little lighter and not quite so grumpy side of it. Nah, I've still got stuff I'm kind of concerned about. Number one, they don't have the pitching to get into the playoffs or to sustain a run in the playoffs. You go, oh, God, here we go again. This guy has nothing but pessimism. He just doesn't get it. Well, they had two trade baits, and that's it. Yeah, third, if you consider Kyle Hendricks, but God, Kivas, one guy that that we remember who he is from the World Series. So they had uh, Stroman and Bellinger. And I'm telling you what, Bellinger kept getting hotter and hotter, and I've said, and I continue to say, one of the best things that happened at the trade deadline is they didn't get rid of Bellinger. Now, the second best thing that could happen is if they signed Bellinger to a five-year contract starting like now. But we don't do that. That's not cool. That's not baseball. We're going to wait and see how everything plays out. Somebody could get hurt tomorrow. Look at what Bellinger did. He had a, instead of a fist pump or bump, he had a forearm bump, and he was basically hurt for two years. Now he's back. And I tell you what, Bellinger swings a bat like Ted Williams. You heard me. The splendid splinter. The kid. Teddy ball game. Yeah, this guy, Bellinger, is good, and he's so not hurt. He is so in shape. And interestingly, the Cubs, and, and I give Ross credit, or Jed, because Bellinger came up through the minor leagues playing first base. I didn't know that. The dude can pick it. He made a play last night, spectacular play at first base. And you know what? He doesn't have to start the game at first base. A lot of these guys go, hey, man, I want to be the four, the fourth hitter in the lineup. I want to be at third base the whole game. You know, if I can't do that, then, uh, you know, designate me for a second. <laughs> Whatever. 
So Bellinger starts in center, and they bring in a righty, and that gets rid of Wisdom, who can't hit, unfortunately. Nice guy. He's the next guy to get DFA'd. Um, when the Cubs bring back Matt Mervis, uh, I'm afraid Wisdom's going to be gone. But anyway, unless he starts hitting, makes some adjustments and starts hitting. But Bellinger... Starts out in center field, then they bring in Trockman to pinch hit for Wisdom when they go to the righty, the lefty-righty drill, and they move Bellinger to first base. He's a gold glover both places. In fact, ironically, he won a gold glove in right field, not center or for maybe he's won one at center. I don't know. Anyway, so if they had traded Bellinger as he heated up through and after the All-Star break, Man, oh man, this this particular podcast guy would have a hard time rooting for the Cubs. But, as I said before, you're only one victory away from thinking the Cubs are going to go undefeated the rest of the year. That's just the way us Cub fans are. And yeah, I'm a Cub fan. And I did have lunch with Jerry, and I told you Jerry told me not to... I don't go to lunch with him, then I come back and regurgitate what he told me. But he did tell me that... He thought at the trade deadline he'd be dumping salary. He did. He got rid of a lot of guys. Giolito uh, was kind of the backbone of the uh, pitching staff for the last few years. Gone. Lance Lynn, man. There should be a country and western song about that guy. I remember last year on opening day, it's like 50 degrees. The guy was like, he was like sweating like he was in a friggin' um, sauna. One in shape, get my drift. And apparently he's great in the clubhouse, and he kind of lipped off, and da-da-da-da-da, gone. Giolito, gone. Joe Kelly. Kelly gives up, like, I don't know, eight runs to the Cubs. The next day they trade him to the Dodgers, where he came from. And the guy's looking like, uh, yeah, Craig Kimbrell, another gone Cub that's doing pretty good. Or David Robertson, another Cub bullpen guy that they just cast their fate to the wind. He's gone. And where he went to the Mets, the Mets got rid of him. It's like, let's all give up a bunch of guys and have a shuffle the deck party on the trade deadline. Now, the other trade guy was Stroman for the Cubs. And here's something interesting. Let's just say, and I said they should have traded Stroman and gotten Dylan Cease or gotten somebody, one for one. Uh, they don't like to trade with the White Sox. Oh, that's just not true. They traded Ron Santa to the White Sox. What? Are you kidding me? Ron Santa was with the White Sox? Not Ronnie. Yeah. Santo was with the White Sox. And Quintana went from the White Sox to the Cubs. And on and on and on and on and on. They've had a lot of guys, and so they should have traded the Stroh show to the Cell show and sold Stroh. They didn't. Now, there's three guys in their st- of their five. There are three pitchers of the starting five who have looked to me like there was a uh, old Rosie was the White Sox batting practice pitcher. I mean. They had him on their payroll for 25 or 30 years. Rosie was the 
White Sox batting practice pitcher. Good guy. Two strikes. Laid it in there from Harold Baines to Frank Thomas to you name it. Rosie was the guy. The Cubs have three starters that look like they're throwing BP right now. And I get it. I get it. I understand how athletic skills are not robotic. Heck, I went out at the beginning of the year, and, I mean, I, my handicap's bad, but I shot an 80, which is probably 15 to 18 strokes better than what I normally do. At a real, no, it wasn't miniature golf. No, I didn't put the ball in the hole when the elephant moved his trunk. No, there was no windmill. I put up an 80. Haven't done that since. Haven't even sniffed it. Haven't even gotten into the 80s again. Maybe once. Smiley was one tackle away from a perfect game. Remember that game? He's got a perfect game going, two out in the ninth inning. Guy hits a slow roller. He goes over to field it. He's got time, maybe. But before he could field the ball, Jan Gomes crushed him. Crushed him. And uh, that was the end of the perfect game. And Smiley now, I mean, he was really, really unhittable for a while. But the league figured it out. Number one, they they don't. The only lefty to face him is Vado, and he, he had a home run last night off of him. Oh, poor Smiley, I like the guy. You know, he's come back from Tommy John surgery. He was unbeatable the, until like then he wasn't giving up run after run. And that is, Gomes got him to sign a baseball card. I love this. And Gomes has it on his locker. The baseball card is a Drew Smiley baseball card, and it's Jan. There's no tackling in baseball, and it's just a great, great card. Huh? These guys do Now, if I had gotten that card, they would have charged me 50 bucks for the autograph, but I bet she didn't charge... uh, Gomes any money? No, of course not. Are you crazy? No, he didn't. Um, Stroman just crushed. Just getting crushed. And then there's the $64 million guy, Tyon, who may have figured it out. We'll see tonight. He's got like a, in the last three games he's pitched, his ERA is below two. Okay. Figured it out maybe. That's good. The bullpen has been lights out. Winning the games. And the Cubs, oh, my God, it's like Little League Baseball. They're just beating the ball out of the ball. They've scored 36 runs in two games. They haven't done that since before 1900 when they weren't the Cubs. They were, get this, the white stockings. Yeah. Okay. Well, when the trade deadline is over and – they get a kid from Kansas City named Quaz. Quaz. I'd never had season tickets. I hadn't of the Royals. I never heard of the guy. Well, you don't go to any games. You gave up your tickets. Well, that's true. This guy was a FedEx driver twice, and from f- the FedEx driving league to the Royals, which you know, maybe that's not a big leap. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. They've won five in a row. Bobby Witt on fire. Where are you going with all this? Okay. So 
Quaz is added to the 40-man. Then he's added to the 25-man roster yesterday. And he pitches in relief, and he got through the ninth inning. And that was kind of funny. Actually, J.D.'s getting funny on the broadcast. Boog is still there's a 28.5% chance that he's going to hit the ball to Dansby Swanson. Do you believe that? In the ninth inning, right after Dansby picked his nose. It happened. Okay. Uh, so, Claus is added to the roster, and what do you know? Stroman, on August 2nd, goes on the DL, or the IL, or he's out. Hip injury. He's not worried, but he says, that's why I've gotten bombarded. Now, what if the Cubs had traded this guy for the one and two prospects in the system of in the Seattle Mariners? Would that have nullified the deal? Was Stroman keeping it quiet so that he could get moved? He could have gone on the DL on July 28th, and then he would not have been eligible to be traded. But he didn't. Kept it quiet. I don't know. He said he wanted to stay. Did he want to stay or did he want to go? All right. That gets me to the trade deadline, and goofy things happen. And, and this year's trade deadline was a giant ho-hum, except for the fact that you can't cure stupidity. These new owners think they know it all, and they know nothing. You know, in the game, you throw the ball, I catch the ball, you hit the ball, da-da-da-da. But in the front office, it's a little different. And Steve Cohn, who's made billions, laughs at me if he knew me. Hey, but, you know, how do you think he started out? You know, he's a broker for somebody, da-da-da-da-da. And uh, his first day, he loses $80 million. Hmm, I'm $80 million in the hole. How am I going to ever get out of this hole? Well, that's what he did with Verlander and with Scherzer but I'll explain in a minute. He's not the first owner. Jerry Jones did the same thing. Now, Jerry thought he was really smart, and maybe he was, but he, um, you know, he got rid of one player, Herschel Walker, and got a slew of other guys, and then they won the Super Bowl, the only, maybe the only time. So that being the case, the Cubs might have been able to get a bunch for Stroman. And they would have gotten a bunch for Bellinger. But would the deal for Stroman have gone through? I don't know. Suspense, huh? Huh? Intrigue in baseball. Well, we're going to leave it right there and take a little break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the 2023 trade deadline. And did it lay an egg or was it a golden egg from a golden goose? You tell me. We'll be right back. Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, and anywhere else you get your podcast. This podcast shows up because it's climbing the ranks. It's moving up the list of popular podcasts in America. And with that, we'll have a little music from our Hawaiian production team, and uh, then we'll be right back.
Welcome back to On the Lighter Side of Baseball with Jamie Retzke on Spotify, iTunes, Apple, SoundCloud, maybe my Facebook page if I haven't canceled it, and countless other ways to obtain this quality podcast. And we're about to explore yawn, 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 the 2023 trade deadline. Now, we thought it was going to be spectacular. We thought Otani was going to go. We thought Bellinger was going to go. We thought there was going to be a lot of action. And the folks with mud on their face, oh, my God. And time to kill. It was, it was funny. It was the MLB Network. They had all these guys basically for a week talking about the Scherzer deal. That was it. Nothing else happened. Uh, breaking news! Breaking news! The Philadelphia Phillies have acquired Lorenzen from Detroit. Who the hell is Lorenzen? Uh, that's breaking news. That was, that was it. He won today for the Phillies. Way to go. Um, let's look at, I guess, the big, the big news. Well, Giolito wasn't really big news. Lance Lynn really wasn't big news. The Cubs made big news, but I don't think they knew it until the guy went 9 for 10 to start his second or third career with the Cubs. So here's we talked about before. The New York Mets and their owner tried to buy a pennant. He thought he was buying... Walter Johnson, Cy Young, Danny McLean, Sandy Koufax, and Bob Gibson all wrapped into two guys named Scherzer and Verlander, the king of the Players Association Executive Committee, king and queen. I don't know who's the queen. I don't really care. So he signs these guys for $43 million and change apiece, and uh, Verlander had a option for 2024. So, the Mets lay an egg, big time. Bad, bad, bad. They're looking bad. I mean, really bad. Yankees are looking bad. Fox is looking bad. That's right, you heard me. Fox is looking bad. We have no New York teams that are going to make the playoffs. Yankees suck, the Mets, whatever's worse than sucking. So, they decide to dump, like Hayward, like the Cubs dumped Hayward, although Cubs got stuck with a little more than Mr. Cohen did. But, basically Scherzer goes to the Rangers, and the Rangers pick up a little bit of salary. Verlander goes back to the Astros, who wanted him in the first place, but wouldn't match the idiotic offer that Cohen made. So they said hasta la vista to Verlander. But then when Cohen went back and said, hey, I'll pay most of the rent on this guy if you just take him off my hands and you pay $23 million, and I'll pay $53 million, and then throw in another $30 million on Max, and we got ourselves... Two open spots on the 26-man roster. Can you, I mean, first of all, these dudes aren't young chickens. Uh, second of all, they have had surgical problems. And third of all, 
they just are running out of juice. But this moron, and he's not, he's a rich guy, and I don't know him, but I mean, he doesn't know how to, he just has no clue. He, these guys that, that and, and, you know, for $4 billion or whatever he paid for the Mets and their broadcast rights, I guess he can do whatever he wants. If I had $4 billion, I wouldn't buy the Mets. I'd, I'd buy the, who would I buy? If you had a billion dollars, who would you buy? What team? If that, okay, so it's going to cost you $2 billion to buy a team. Do you, do you go to the league and say, I want an expansion team in Las Vegas? Or do you buy the fill in the blank? Who would you buy? Would you buy the, uh, that's assuming you could get a team now for the paltry sum of $2 billion. I would um, buy the White Sox. I would go to my old buddy Jerry and say, hey, dude, I got $2 billion for you. You know, the, the money's not going to do you any good, and your kids are going to have millions and billions. So take my $2 billion and let me reinvigorate the Chicago White Sox. That's what I'd do. I'd buy the White Sox. And what would you do with the White Sox? Okay, I would start building the team back up. Um, first of all, I would uh, hire a designer. You go, what? <laughs> this is baseball. We're not talking about how I do. You know, I'd, I'd, the Angels. I'd, I might buy the Angels, but I would buy the White Sox. And my first move would be to get a designer. What does what, the, what a designer? What the? You see, I'm trying to work in a two man crew. I ask myself questions. Huh? Is that interesting? I don't know. I mean, I know the answer to the questions I ask. I try to do that. I learned that as a lawyer, that when you're cross-examining somebody, you try to know the answer before you ask the question, and you're asking the question for the judge, the judge and the jury, mostly the jury. You know it, you lay it out, you ask it the way you want it, and then you suck the guy in with your cross-examination. It's great. works all the time. I know the answer to the questions I'm asking me. Why would you in the world get a design? I change their color concept. It is a loser color. Okay? Why get a color named after the 1919 Black Sox? Black doesn't sell. It's depressing. It's demoralizing. It leads to internal conflict in the dugout and the clubhouse. It leads to malcontent players that are overpaid and underperform year in it because they don't like the uniform. The fans don't like the uniform. It's just a bad-looking color concept. So I would go back to the 1959 White Sox uniform. I would play that. I would use that half the time. The other half the time, I'd split with the 60 White Sox uniform, which was tweaked a little. They had the socks instead of outlined in red. It was all black on the name SOX. And then I'd probably, on a day or two a week, probably just Sunday like they do now, go to that 1983 God-awful rainbow uniform. It's appealing. I like it. Then I would revamp the entire strength and conditioning staff 
I would revamp the entire coaching staff, and I would hire a new manager. Now, who? Who would you hire? Well, it wouldn't be Bob Melvin. Oh, my God. You know, he was really good with a bad team. He's really bad with a team that might be good. I don't know what that's called, but you flip-flop and boom. Now, I've narrowed it down to two candidates. One is the bench coach with the Cubs, who's not going to be around next year, Andy Green. He's good. He got fired from the uh, he got fired from the Padres because Machado and Tatis didn't like him, wasn't tough enough. He wanted them to be tough with the other guys on the team, not them. Gone. I think it's Andy Green. His first name's Andy. I don't know. The other guy I'd hire, might hire. I know I'd hire him because, like Jerry wanted his buddy Tony, I would want Joe Madden because I'd want to be Joe's buddy. I own the team. I go to the clubhouse every night. We have a bottle of wine. We talk about the game. And I am happier than ever. You believe that? That'd be great. Joe, you want... You want a cab tonight, or do you want a Pinot Noir, or you want to try a little bit of Argentinian wine, a little South African wine? I mean, the whole homestand, we could have a different bottle of good red wine, and toward the end of the year, if our systems weren't holding up so well, I guess we could we could switch over to like a Duckhorn uh, Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> I know, Joe. Joe like you like red wine, don't you, Joe? I do, and you like to mix it up. I do, and Joe, were you or were you not falsely accused of not interacting with the Cub players during 2016 exit interviews conducted by Theo, who loved you and then hated you? Yes, that's true. I was falsely accused. Well, now I'm now I'm sounding like Joe Madden, Joe was falsely accused. There you go. It happens. Hearsay, objection, your honor, sustained. Then I make sure that Joe hired a good bench coach because Joe's not always really focusing on the game. He's focusing on what kind of wine we're going to have when the game's over. But, I mean, but he's good. I like him. Nice guy. Good manager. Proven winner. Get a good bench coach, and I get like three hitting coaches that were really, really good. Now, I'd like to keep it in the White Sox organization, but Frank Thomas and Harold Baines are not guys that are going to teach anything. Harold doesn't talk, which is a problem. And Frank, all he does is talk about how to get more testosterone in your body with these pills that he sells. Okay, so those guys are out. Who does that leave? I don't know. Bring back, bring back Greg Walker, maybe. Bill Melton, Ozzie Guillen. I don't know. I'd have a good time. We'd have the old boys. That'd be fun. Um, where were we? I just paid $2 billion to the White Sox. Probably couldn't get them. I wonder if I could throw in another $4 billion and get the Bulls and the White Sox. Hmm. Probably not. Anyway, um, the team would be really, really good. That's all I know. We'd win. We'd win. We'd have incentives to win every game. 162 games. And I would tell Joe, 
Don't give me this. It's a endurance contest. It's a, it's a marathon. I want to sprint. I want to see the best guys in there every night. I don't care if their tongues are hanging out. I don't want you to play the bench. I want you to play the good guy, unless we have a good guy on the bench. And, and pitch these guys until their arms fall out, you know, a la Dave Martinez. He ruined our buddy, Sammy Sosa. Sam, Sammy, Sammy Solis, not Sammy Sosa. Um, and with all due respect to Martinez, again, that's my opinion. I am basing that opinion on things that I have heard and gathered and saw the number of times Sammy got in and got up to throw that never got in. I think you gave him dead arm, Mr. Martinez. And I, I can think that. And um, I can think that because you're a public figure and under the um, laws of slander, I would not be slandering you. Okay? It's my opinion. I have a podcast. And I have no belief that what I'm saying is wrong. Okay? All right. Got that legal thing out of the way. So I own a team. I haven't been sued. And um, where are we? Okay. The, have you ever gone or taken your kids to the fireworks on the 4th of July? And either it rains or it was a low-budget show and they have like six aerial displays, three ground displays, and the grand finale takes 30 seconds and you go, oh, my God. I stayed up till 11 o'clock to watch this. It's terrible. Well, that's what I thought about the effect of the 2023 trade deadline. It was a sleeper. We all knew that Cohn was going to try to dump Verlander and Scherzer. Big deal. And then Scherzer, Mr. You know, it's like me going out to lunch with Jerry. I mean, is there no honor amongst lunch companions? No honor amongst employee employers? Uh, as soon as Scherzer's unpacked his bag in Dallas or wherever he moved next door to Jerry Jones in um, oh heck who knows one of the one of the fancy suburbs everything's fancy in Dallas right 110 degrees nice now they talked about that ballpark today on the White Sox broadcast I might have to do that I'm going to plan a trip with my buddy to go on a Next year. Okay, back to uh, Scherzer says, I'm going to talk to the brass and allegedly talk to Steve Cohen. I, I'm not sure that's true. The first reports were he talked to the general manager because they don't have a, I think Sandy Alderson left a while. They don't have a president of baseball operations like every other team does. You know, Rick Hans, I guess, still the general manager and Kenny Williams is the president. Um, there are examples of that all over. Jed Hoyer is the president. Well, I don't know why. And uh, nobody knows the name of the general manager. Uh, seriously. I don't think his name's ever been in the paper. They, he, he, was in it, he was on the broadcast one night. He's a nice kid. You know, he answered questions pretty good. Anyway, where was I going? So the trade deadline was absolutely pathetico. You know, they kept waiting for things to happen. Nothing happened. They have a, we've got our Fab Five that are going to do the MLB radio. Steve Phillips and, and uh, Jim Duquette and all these, all these 
big time talkers. And that was somebody calling in. We're not taking Collins today because it's too ripe. Um, lo and behold, the Cubs kind of get ripped for not doing enough, not buying enough. They didn't get a pitcher. They got they got the FedEx driver. You know, he's going to be optioned soon. God love him. He finished the. He came in last night in the ninth inning with the Cubs leading. Um, I think sixteen to six. Closed it out, baby. Now, do you get a save for that? You come in and you got a ten-run cushion. Do you get a save? Of course you don't. Now, if he had pitched three innings, he'd have gotten a save, even though there was a ten-run cushion. That was because that's the rule, and that's his name, Cause, Cause, Quaz, FedEx driver. Good story. I like him. Sidearm guy. I'd never seen him throw. Throws a, you know, he's like Quizza. He's like a, a Latin American quiz. He reminded me a little bit of Quisenberry. His his delivery wasn't as abrupt as Quizzes, wasn't as accented as Quisenberry, but the sink on the ball was Quisenberry-esque. And I ought to know, I watched Quiz save a whole lot of games back in the 80s. In fact, I've told this story before, but Quisenberry and Brett and I think Willie Wilson got, quote, lifetime contracts when Avron Fogelman was trying to buy the team. And he gave Brett a lifetime contract because he should have, and he gave uh, Willie Wilson a lifetime contract, and he didn't give Frank White one. Poor Frank, he gets just dumped on. I mean, the poor guy. Uh, he, he, uh, for some reason, you know, he's just been kind of uh, in the fourth outfielder. In the f- I know he played second base, Gold Glover. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Anyway, they gave Quiz a lifetime contract. So I'm with Quiz and Barry. We're at a deal that we put that the law firm puts on, and I'm talking with Quiz because I'm the designated talk to the baseball guy. And Quiz and I are shooting the breeze, and he's funny, and he's a good guy, and I, you know, I I know him a little bit, knew him a little bit. May he rest in peace. And Quiz goes, hey, Jamie, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll hire you next time for my next lifetime contract. And you know what? I'm still waiting, Quiz. We can do this. What a great guy. What a great pitcher. What a funny guy. He was funny. He was one of the funniest guys in that era, in that clubhouse. You know, and Hal McRae wasn't exactly a cut-up. And uh, Amos Otis wasn't exactly funny. Willie Wilson, eh, Brett, eh, Jamie Quirka, Quiz, stole the show, man. He and Jim Busby, funny guys. God, the Royals were good. What a great organization put together by the guy that crunched up oyster shells and turned crunching oyster shells into a billion-dollar pharmaceutical company that merged with Dow Chemical. Marion Merrill Dow the Marion was Marion Laboratories, started and owned by Ewing Kaufman, who started that company grinding oyster shells in his garage. That is a true, true story. And that is, you know, the American dream. Just like Quaz, the pitcher. 
He's a FedEx driver one day, and he's at Wrigley Field in front of 35,000 fans closing out a game against the division-leading Cincinnati Reds. How much better does it get in life? You can go from delivering oversized packages to throwing your stuff on the mound at Wrigley and walking off and getting the ball because you finished the game. Now, how cool is that, really? So... Theo's student, Jed. Theo's with Major League Baseball now, waiting to be hired by somebody in the future. And he, he will. He will. I mean, he did win a World Series for the Red Sox and for the Cubs. You know, he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's no Dave Dombrowski, but he's okay. Speaking of Dombrowski, man, he gets he gets Lorenzo, who I'd never heard of, and the guy pays dividends right away. Cam, I mean, Phillies are it's a good organization. So the Cubs go and get from the Nationals a guy who I got to tell you I'd never heard of him either. Boy, you got to get a podcast and learn some of this stuff, or better yet, since you do have a podcast, let me remind you of that. Um. Get to know the world of baseball, dude. So they go get Jaimer, I believe that's how he pronounces his name, maybe Jameer Candelario, who, unbeknownst to me, got a World Series ring in 2016 with the Cubs. He played 11 games. There's a ring, baby. And he probably got a share of the World Series check. How about that? And he got six, six or eight days on the pension. And now... He's going to be a free agent next year, and the Nationals unloaded him because they're horrible, and he's making $5 million. He plays third base and first base. He's, he is, like, uh, funny on the field, smiling. I don't know any of these guys. He comes across like a fun guy. Now, part of that may be he's 9 for 10 in his first 10 plate appearances with the Cubs. I guess who wouldn't smile, but he's he's got the mojo going, and apparently he fits right in. He knows some of these guys, knows some of the coaches, and he's a character. We need characters. The other character is Simo, Christopher Morel, banging the ball, making adjustments. You know, he has kind of a weird little makeup thing going with the eyeshadow, and then he's got some bling going with it. But um, he's funny, God. I mean, and he, he has learned to speak English pretty well. He gives a great interview. And the guy, it's like every game is Christmas morning. Guy is like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm here. And he and Jameer Candelario have become, you know, the life of the Cubbies. And that's cool. They're on fire. How hot are they? Well, we'll see tonight. Big game. 7.05. And uh, the human BP, <laughs> the pitching machine, the $64 million guy who's bounced back, has his work cut out for him, man. Talon is pitching tonight. And he's a righty. And these guys have a good left-handed hitting team, starting with... Um, that new kid, and ending with that old guy. So they've got 
Vado. And then they've got De La Cruz or whatever his name is, who's just great. And then in between, they got a bunch of guys I've never heard of. And they're in first place. And the Brewers could have caught them if they had won, but they're losing to the Nationals, who just dumped Candelario, who's maybe a pretty good pickup. Sign him. No, we don't do that. We don't sign guys. We don't talk to guys in the middle of the year. Might distract them. They're at the ballpark for eight hours, of which they work four. The game and then an hour's worth of practice. The rest of the time, they're jacking around. Call them into the office and say, Hey, Mr. Contreras, here's our offer. Hey, Mr. Whoever, Bellinger, here's our offer. Candelario, two games, I like it. Here's our offer. They don't do that. Nor apparently do the Los Angeles Dodgers. It was a, the biggest screw-up. And this shows, look, you know, you don't do the Jed Hoyer wait till the day before to see, oh, this is where we max out the value. You work it through. You work it through. You include the – if you're going to get rid of a guy and you're thinking you're going to get rid of a guy, include the guy and include the agent because otherwise you're just going to run into what the Detroit Tigers – how much more screwed up can the Tigers get? Oh, my God. I mean – the Orioles have had the same number of draft choices as the uh, Tigers over the years, and the Orioles are making good use of them. Eduardo Rodriguez, one of the most sought-after pitchers in baseball, because he has some, they have a little control over him. He's got a couple more years on his contract, gets traded at the deadline, like an hour before, to, they announce it. We've traded Eduardo Perez to the Los Angeles Dodgers for two of their leading prospects. Oh, what? What? Perez, or, or Rodriguez, not Eduardo Perez, Eduardo Rodriguez had a no-trade clause. And ten teams, he would veto the trade, and one was the Dodgers. Well, that's all the news you get. That guy. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to the Dodgers? They're going to probably get in the playoffs. Fox TV hopes so. Can you imagine? Nope. No New York team and no California team. And the Angels, <laughs> they can't get out of their own way. Artie Moreno should have sold the team uh, before he got divorced and give half of it to his wife. Who cares? Got a ton of money. Anyway. Eduardo Rodriguez says, no deal, I'm not going to do that. Well, it turns out his agent was contacted right before the trade came off, and they tried to work out a deal with the Dodgers because Eduardo didn't mind going to the Dodgers. He just didn't want to have to go there for two months and then move again. I get it. He's going to wait around, he's going to be a free agent, and he's going to get $30 million a year. So why didn't the Dodgers just say, look, we'll pay you what, the, two, the two years, and then for the, we'll tack on three years for another $90 million. How's that, Eduardo? Eduardo goes, holy maloney, that's awesome. You know, I was in the Dominican one day, and now I'm going to make $100 million. I could do that. I think I can move my family around. Fly him in a friggin' Learjet. I mean, Really? It's a problem with the agents. Now, in addition to being 
the guy who's going to purchase the White Sox or be the general manager of the Cubs, I should also be a premier agent. Had that opportunity. My guys all, you know, kind of uh, in in the parlance of Bob Gibson, brushed me off, brushed back, fired me. Anyway, you got to give a little in this world, and for you know, give up a hundred million dollars and get down to ninety-eight million. Eh, I think I could live with that. I take a cut in my three percent. So where were we? Is uh, the ball juiced? The seventeen percent increase in home runs per at bat. Seventeen percent um, trade deadline. Who? Uh, laid an egg, and who had a golden egg from a golden goose? Uh, the Astros did really well. The Phillies did pretty well. The Cubs did okay. The um, Braves didn't do bad. The Marlins are okay. The Cards, man, they dumped. The Sox dumped. The Mets dumped. Biggest dumpsters. Those three teams. Dump, dump, dump. Biggest loser? What the hell were the Padres doing? And the Giants did nothing. They were asleep. Oh, it's a trade deadline? We don't we don't like trade deadlines. Okay. So there you have it. Is there anything else that we want to talk about? The um the whole trade deadline thing is kind of I don't know. I guess it's good. Seems a little screwy, but it was a yawner, as I'm doing right now. A yawner. Uh, Jerry dumped. Cowboy, the Angels should have dumped, man. Couldn't they get rid of Rondon and, and Otani and get some stuff? I don't know. These, these guys can't get out of their own way. And there's like 15 guys with salaries that are ridiculous. And um, I don't know. So let's look at, remember when we had the doghouse watch with with uh, Harper and Machado? Machado's turned it around. He's a stud. Harper's kind of turned it around. He's a stud. So we're going to see what happens. I mean, now, okay, here we are. We're going to get Craig back on, and we're going to now pick who we think is going to win the playoffs as of the post-trade deadline. That'll be interesting. That'll be next week. I'll get Craig. He's been busy. Had some stuff going on at home. Moving, grooving, kid stuff, summer stuff. We'll get him back. All right. So we'll do that. We're going to watch the Cub game tonight. If the Cubs win three out of four from the Reds, we're going to be back on the air tomorrow talking about how great that was. Can they score 20 runs tonight? Probably not. The um, Each night the Phillies have come up with this guy – Matisse or somebody, he's an outfielder, throws a knuckleball, and I think the Cubs hit. Suzuki hit a home run, Wisdom hit a home run, um, Hap hit a home run. You know, what do you do with that? Is that is that as stupid as the put a runner on second base an extra inning rule? Why not, if, you're, if your options are we don't want to have another guy pitch, then forfeit the game. Game's over. We quit. Or better yet, just have the team that's winning by 10 runs, slaughter rules, say, we're going to waive our opportunity to bat. We'll just go to the 
We'll go from the top of the eighth to the top of the ninth and get out of here and we won't bat. Let's speed up the game. That'll avoid the stupidity of having this guy come in. I like the forfeit better. It's over. If you're going to bring in that guy, we're leaving. We're done. We don't like it. So, there you have it, sports fans. It's going to be an exciting race. Now, the Cubs, boy, from the rest of the month, have a tough schedule. If the Cubs can, in their next 10 games, they have a game against the Reds. They have three against the Braves. They have three against the Mets and three against the Blue Jays. Three, six, nine, that's ten games, I think, before they get the White Sox and the Royals. If they can go six and four, that's going to be pretty big. We'll monitor that next ten games for the Cubs. Six and four, they win the pennant, the division, okay? Now, who do they pitch? Kyle Hendricks is now their number one guy. Talon is their number three guy. Steele's number two. I don't know. I don't know. Do we get somebody in the minor leagues who can pitch? I'll check that out and get back to you next week on who in AAA baseball is a good ERA. Might come up. So for the lighter side of baseball, this is Jamie Resky saying so long. Hit him straight. I hope I do tomorrow. Stripe it down the middle. Have a good night. And listen to a little music. From our Hawaiian guy, Tyler, out there, take it away.